And I would call him on the phone. I was like, yo, can we not be done? Like, I mean, I've invested a lot into this. And he was like, well, they're not going to give us the show. Drinking bread. Yeah, they're not going to give it to you. Like, we're going to have to buy it. I'm not paying for it. And you're not going to pay for it either because it's going to be a lot of money. <laughs> so I was like, well, let's just call him and see what's up. Like, I'm just going to call him. And he's like, yeah, let me know. And I called him and they're like, no, dude, continue the show for sure. Take the name, take the sound, take all of it. We'll transfer the RSS feed. What was your show with Mike called? Failure to Stop. It was called Failure to Stop on Drinking Bread. It was Failure to Stop with Mike the Cop and Eric Tanzi. And they gave it to you? Yeah. So they really believed in you. It was just politics. It was just the the media. They weren't going to make any money off of it because Uh, they weren't going to be able to sell ads on it. You were lied to. And don't let that cloud critical thinking. How many points do I have to make that don't add How many other people do I have to bring in this conversation that do not back up Rob's? Team for life. All three cameras. Oh, shit, we're on. All right. Post. Da-na, new intro. So awesome. Welcome back to the Anti Hero Podcast. And Brent is not here. It's, it's episode number two of the new brand, and Brent's already out of town and gone. So we have Eric Tanzi. Hey. And he literally just walked through the door. Just got here. <laughs> but it's nice, though, because I was greeted with a cigar. Like, a huge surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's a long story. But essentially, I just met a couple days ago one of Tansy's buddies from his platoon in the Army. Well, right. Like, yeah, he was, like, my officer. So. Yeah, yeah. So, and then... It, you were a captain back then, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, that old, shit's wild, man. Small world. He just... We're hanging out, and he goes, I, I haven't got- seen you in like 20 years, 17 years. Right, yeah, we've talked on the phone, but like, yeah. Wow, dude, so, is, man, so crazy. Yeah, it's just wild. And then dude. I have a cigar and a beer. and Yeah, because you've been on the road for three days straight. I'm a rambling, man. So you hung out all day with conservative Anthony. Yeah, like 48 hours. Yeah, how was it's that? It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. I'm shaking. <laughs> High energy, dude. <laughs> No stop, no chill, down from it. <laughs> no chill. Like, like you know, it's like if if you like went to Australia, and you're like surrounded by Australians. You might like start talking Australian or something. Yeah, like <laughs> being surrounded by forty eight hours. Like starting isms. Yeah, I can. You got a lisp coming on. I do. I'm like, come on, guys, speed up, because we were in the car for like eight hours. And I'm like, come on, speed up. Ah. Uh. So you guys went <laughs> to. The skunk ape facility. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I've asked you three times. What the hell is that, dude? A skunk ape is uh, Florida Bigfoot. Yes, it's the Florida Bigfoot. They call it the skunk ape because it lives in the swamps of Florida. And now, listen, it's that's pretty far fetched to believe in, in a skunk ape thing. But until you've driven down to the very end, the most southern point of the western side of Florida, the Everglades. Yo, I've never, I lived in Florida for 20 something years before I moved to North Carolina. I never knew. It's like Serengeti, Africa, but like with swamps and shit. Like it's another country. It's another world, dude. If you broke down out there, who's coming for you? Yeah. It's wild. I've never been, bro, it's wild. It's wild. Two lanes forever. (laughs) Forever, like eighty miles, no gas. You station. just hope that one no deputy pool. that does his rounds for the day comes through. If you if you break down, yeah, I guess. <laughs> like I, I don't. So like, if there is a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot, potentially be. could be there. Yeah. I don't know that anything survives there. This guy, are we allowed to cuss on this show? Yeah. This dude that we fucking met down there, uh, is on the Discovery Channel, like on the Swamp People thing. Mm, He's yeah. a wild dude too. 
But he dressed like Crocodile Dundee, grown up, lived there his whole life in this, like, I don't even know how you get, like, how does anybody even start civilization out there? I don't know. Like, who just is like, let's just keep going through this hellhole. Whoever cut the roads, I, it, the woods are so thick. It's it's like a draw for 90 miles. The woods are so thick. It's like, we're just going to keep cutting until we run into the ocean, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I now I see how all those explorers were never found in Florida because there's no way you're hacking through that stuff. But anyway, this dude ca- just caught a 24-foot python. I saw It's that. at his place. He's got it, like in his shed. <laughs> it's 24 feet long. It's like over 300 pounds. That shit's insane, bro. That kid, it's a, it's a man-eater, bro. Yeah, you, you have kids, all of a sudden, kid goes out in the backyard of the shed and doesn't come back. Bro, have you ever seen a 24-foot snake in real life? No. Not even at the zoo. <laughs> Bro, it's like for me to you. It's huge. He's Good got this you. in his shed. It's living, yeah. crawling around. He said that they have a rule that no less than three people can go in the cage at a time. Because if the snake feels like it can win... It will. It will. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. I, You would have to get a chainsaw to cut this thing's head off, for sure. Yeah. Its head's like the size of an alligator. Wow. Yeah, it could it was eat a person? Wild. Just random, just out there in this dude's back shed. Will it eat a, if it wants you? He said. He said absolutely, it's a man eater. Damn. He says it'll eat whatever you put is in it, there. Live it, pig, it'll eat it. Did it? Did Small it break cow, any records? It, huh? Did it break any? It's records? one foot shy of the world record. Now he'll tell you that he didn't get a fair rating. Uh, dude might struggle with a little narcissism, a little bit. Uh, maybe a little bit. That dude is all about himself, <laughs> which is cool though. He's an interesting dude, more interesting than I am for sure, but. Uh, we got to hear a lot about him and, uh, and, and, and everything, like all the negatives, right? Like I would have started the conversation with, yo, I've got the second largest Python ever captured in existence in my backyard. <laughs> but he's it. like, I've got the first one, but not really the first because the Guinness World Records, they couldn't get a accurate reading because they couldn't stretch it out and they were too hot and they weren't comfortable enough. And so they didn't really give an accurate reading and both their readings are far off. So, you know, I mean, they, according to the record books, I'm like, bro, you could adjust. Yeah, you ha- you're good enough at second, <laughs> like, second largest. Dude, I, you didn't even say anything. You could just say like, look at this big fucking snake. <laughs> and I would have been like, yo, that's a big fucking snake. <laughs> That's the biggest snake. I didn't even know they could get that big. Yeah, I, I, it's like anything. You just let it live for long enough, you'll see how big it can get. Bro, his story was that he was walking through the swamp, trips over an alligator, falls down, and this thing creates a tidal wave that he thinks is another gator, but it goes up in a hole. And he reaches out to grab it, realizes it's a snake, and he can't even get his hands around it. And it goes up into this hole, and they start taunting the hole. And the thing pokes its head out, and they were like, that's the biggest python we've ever seen. And so they were like, you know, because it's competitive python hunting here, they're like, we've got to get this thing. So they start to fuck with it, and it brings its head even further out. And they're like, yo, we're going to have to come back with, like, 10 people. And they do, and they wrestle this thing. They wrestle this. You you saw how big it is. And he gets it out. But I'm all like, what happened to the fucking gator you tripped on? Where did it go? No, that's that's nothing to them. Where did that? We chipped go? over some dumb gator to get to the snake. <laughs> Dude, it was insane. Like I was like, is any of this true? I mean, obviously it is because I see it with my own eyes. But wow. dude's like a real life crocodile Dundee for sure. Damn, how old is he? Oof. I mean, Florida's rough on folks, especially <laughs> down there in the Everglades. I don't know, like, bro, I that guy could be. 65 or 49 <laughs> I don't know uh, But he was a trip man He was uh, he was worth it And then um, like he's he's coming on our podcast 
Oh, is he? Yeah. So we did all like the research. We're gonna do a story. We went on the podcast, but you know, like, I you know, we never really got to learn. We went down there just to learn about Skunk Ape, but all we learned was that Discovery Channel thinks he's a narcissist and he's having a fight, and now he's being sued by Discovery Channel and. They're trying to make this other swamp guy Drama. look like the main swamp guy, but he's really the main swamp guy. So I really didn't learn all the stuff I wanted to learn about Skunk Ape, <laughs> but I know everything about the Skunk Ape Dundee down there. <laughs> Damn, bro. <laughs> it was a rad trip, dude. Uh, so, well, you're on your last leg of your no, Florida tour, no, right? Oh, of the Florida tour. Sure. Yeah, I'm Florida. going to Maryland after this. Yeah, you, you swing through home in North Carolina? Yeah, I got to pick up the kids. Okay. And yeah. the wife, probably. You're going to repack the suitcase? Yeah. Yeah. Freshen it up. Well, you're I probably, think the wife's already got to like fold it up. You're probably up. running low, low on uh, some uh, some t-shirts and stuff, right? Yeah. Do we I do like NASCAR? Do I have the solution for you? You do. Refracted wolf. You like this read in, read an ad? Yeah, I'm working on it. That was so good. <laughs> Refracted wolf apparel, fifteen percent off. Use promo code antihero. They're right now our sponsors. So, and of course, FRCC. Brent's not here, but um, uh, first responder coffee, first responder cigars. First Responder Coffee Company, First Responder Cigar Company. They're two different companies underneath one umbrella. Sure. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and also, if you we just started our Patreon, um, we already got some, what do you call them, subscribers or members? Or? Probably. Do you don't have, like, a name for your subscribers yet? No. Like, ours, like, the $3 is, like, the troopers? Oh, yeah, we have the goons state and the troopers suck. And then, like, if you're a $10 subscriber, you're a patrol officer. <laughs> no, you're a street cop. Sorry. No, we, yeah, we got, we got the goons and the hooligans. So. Oh, that's good. That's yeah, good. the $3 one gets you a lot of content, gets you everything exclusive, gets you first dibs on merch drops from both companies that sponsor the show right now. Um, pretty much gets you 80% of it. If you do the hooligan, the straight hooligan, you get uh, to ask me and Brent questions that we're going to read on the air. And oh. you get uh, once a month, we're going to do a raffle draw for merch so oh sick dude so that's a good deal but yeah so please you know head over to our patreon that's where you can get direct contact with me and brent because we like i said we relinquished our social media to somebody else so we can focus on other things and you know it's not that we don't want to talk to people it's just it's a lot it is a lot. and then when we're both trying to do it we're both Talk, both of us will talk to one person and then we won't address one person that a question so oh, gotcha. it's just easier it builds a community well, you know, we can all be part of something. So, also check out YouTube Thursdays. We drop something. It's probably going to be a remote podcast with interesting people that are geographically impossible to get here right now. Uh, but they're, you know, it'll be something military, law enforcement related. You know, people in bands, entrepreneurs, stuff like that. So, what's the deal with this missing plane that you and <laughs> yo? <laughs> how do you lose an F thirty? What happened? I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I missed the origin me? story. No, you guys been posting about it all oh, day. Well, yeah, I was posting about it. So an F-35, two days ago, was fucking doing something. But it's like not just an F-35. It's like an F-35 stealth, like creme de la creme. Military plane? Military plane. And it was a it was a military plane that um, was part of like a trillion dollar project paid for by the taxpayers. This thing is supposed to be like, I guess like the Titanic of planes, fitting enough. Because it titanic but uh, minus all the humans. Did it crash? Well, here's the thing. The, all we know is that the dude, homeboy, uh, the pilot, allegedly, uh, ejected. We don't know why yet. They haven't put it out. It's been two days. Where did he eject? Like, where um, in the world? So, somewhere in, like, upper South Carolina, I think. Yeah. And uh, they said something yesterday, like, 
if the plane's still in the air, it would now be. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what is this even... thing? Like a fucking Tesla of jets? <laughs> like, I thought those things ran for like eight hours. You know what I mean? Like, it's 24 hour planes just fly. It's like over Russia right now, accidentally bombing the Kremlin. <laughs> you know, like, wait, did they recover the pilot? Yeah, the pilot's fine. No injuries or anything. But here's the thing is like, if this is the most, like, if this is a part of a trillion dollar project, right? And they sold it to the American public as being like, we've got to get rid of all these other jets and we've got to do all these things. And I've talked to several pilots, jet pilots that, that have, you know, been like, all of our jets suck. They're spewing oil all over the place. Like, we need to refit them. So, anyway, this is part of that trillion dollar thing for new jets. And then all of a sudden, it goes missing. The duty jacks. It's not tracked any way, shape, or form, I guess. I mean, I guess it's fucking stealth. Like, doesn't well, get more stealthy than that. that. We can't even find our own jet. Yeah. But here's the thing is, like, if he ejected, there had to be a problem. So why would the plane be... If the plane could just keep flying... Did they ask him why he ejected? Well, I, mean, I don't know. I guess they, they're not just fresh us. news. Yeah, it's just... I mean, it, 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 the news was released, like, two days ago. But, like, now it's real big news because they still haven't found it in two days. But now they've asked the American public to help find it. So my response was, make you a deal. We'll help you find your fucking plane. You release some names on that list. Yeah. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's I think fair. that's a good fair deal. I like what Anthony said, too. You guys can you guys can pick someone out of a picture of a crowd on January 6th. Right. And then find out everything about that person. Yeah. But you can't find a fucking right. trillion dollars. And you jet. can't find who put the pipe bomb out that started the whole ruckus at <laughs> 630 in the morning outside I, the DNC building. I could get into that. like as The an black female act. wearing Air Force Ones. Who, who put a, a black female wearing Air Force Ones put a pipe bomb in a tree at the DNC building. Like, that, you, know, I mean, how, you know, like all the black females I ever worked with, we're always, you know, tucking, hiding those pipe bombs, you know. Like, <laughs> Dude, as an active cop, talking about January 6th is a very, very risque thing to do. Because I mean, like, you, there's cops I've, that were there. I talk to those cops all the time. Yeah. Like, I've got one of the supervisors on dial. Talk to him all the time. The cops Weekly. that were working there? Yeah. Supervisor, Capitol Police officer. She already gives me all the deets. Yeah. All the details. It's just so politically driven that, like, if you're like, oh, I think, like, for instance, if I were to say, I think January 6th is, it was nothing but a peaceful uh, protest that we have the right to do, you know, and actors broke the glass and ushered everybody inside, right? Right. I mean, essentially. I mean, it's a good theory. What's plausible. Your, I think theory? it's plausible. What's your theory? I mean, I think it was just, I think I think what happened was terrible, but I think it was somebody allowed died, right? to happen. Well, yeah, he had a heart attack or stroke or something. Like that. I, thought, I heard somebody got shot. Well, Ashley Babbitt yeah. got shot in the face, but she wasn't a cop. Who she, shot her? She was a, oh, well, the, and the crazy thing, the guy that shot her is like the biggest piece of shit of all of Capital PD with no friends, which you want to hear that story? Or sure. Like you want to, like, so from... From talking to, I mean, I've done, ex, I've probably put in 40 hours of researching January 6th stuff, but, um, and talking to many of the street cops and some supervisor cops. To, to, to Tarantino, the story, essentially, the chief of about a month before January 6th was like, yo, this is going to be different. We should probably go ahead and start scheduling our off duty officers to be able to come in and bring in and hold shifts and go ahead and start the process of that. So he goes and submits that paperwork to make sure that he can get almost all of Capital PD in uniform that day because the majority of Capital PD isn't in uniform. 
oftentimes when you see somebody and you're like, oh, that's Secret Service. No, that's Capitol Police. They're just in suits and ties. Yeah, they are required to have suit and tie at work 24 7. Okay. So they can come in and either put on suit and tie for the day or uniform, depending on where what their duty is for the day. Those are constantly escorting delegates, uh, doing all sorts of things. Um, they sit in on a lot of meetings and just are look like politicians or media, but yeah. they're not. They're Capitol Police sitting within the crowd. And so uh, and so that, that request now, because it's the Capitol PD, these laws were set in place in like 1893, I think. I did a whole episode where I have like real deal facts, but right now I'm just paraphrasing. Yeah. I believe it was 1893, somewhere close to 93, 1893, that the powers of the Capitol PD actually go to the Speaker of the House, mm. and, which would be Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Those, they are the overseers of Capitol Police per... Since like 1893, yeah. and not them specifically. Well, although she was probably alive in 1893, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> she looks like she's halfway old enough to be that. But anyway, so they're the overseers. So he runs. So the chief of Capital PD, who was rad, who who like nobody really spoke ill of. They like do these really good chief, one of the better ones that we've had. He puts in that request about a month prior, and she says no. Nancy. Yeah, Nancy specifically. I've seen the memo myself. I've seen the email response. I've seen the, I, I've seen it with my own eyes. No. So then he's like, okay, well then we need three weeks prior because it took a week to get that back. So now it's three weeks prior to January 6th. He requests uh, Baltimore or um, yeah, Baltimore PD yeah. to come down and assist. And they volunteered like a hundred officers or something like that. And it comes back two weeks prior. No. So he's like, Okay, so we don't have extra officers on our own, which, by the way... Wait, wait, did she have the ability to say no to Baltimore? Yes. You, I, I get it. She has the ability to say no to Capitol Police because she's in charge, but a whole other city? Yeah, coming to their jurisdiction. Oh. Yeah, it'd be like you going to Orlando PD, I guess. So this, is, this is when people should start smelling shit before it happens. Like, stuff right. like this. Like, why are you denying so much, you know? Well, it, it was, and, and I mean, there was a lot of people talking about it. Like, well, this doesn't make any sense. So then he was like, well, how about the National Guard? And that's what made the news because he asked for the National Guard. Well, that made him a political kind of a figure because he was like, oh, he's trying to blow this out of proportion. He's asking for the National Guard. He's like, well, no, I fucking asked for our own guys. You said no. Which, by the way, according to the supervisor, the one thing that was a red flag about that was they would bring in off-duty officers for fucking no reason. Yeah, they'd be like, "Yo, we're gonna hold your shift over because there might be a protest or a you know yeah, uh, a bunch of dudes money. praying. Who like, it's like it didn't matter. They, but in this case, they're like, "Nah, we're good." And everybody's like, "No, we're not good." Yeah. So, at the time of the day, and I, and you can go back to my other episode on that that I did. I did like a two hour breakdown, um, I, but I did this like a year ago. But they had like it was somewhere like six hundred officers working that day, like total. Uh, and like January 6th. yeah, but only like 200 of them were uniformed officers mm. and the rest were on delegated details and, you know, uh, suit and tie details for the day. So right off of the bat, they get this bomb threat at like 1130 at night or whatever. The night prior. Yeah, like 1130 at night. Uh, they find the bomb at like 630, but it it actually had been placed at 1130 at night and out in, in front of the. um the RNC. So, and it, the only the only suspect description. There's a picture. I've seen the picture. I, I probably still have it on my phone. It was. Um, it looks. It looks like a black female. 
with white Air Force Ones. And it just, it really does look like a black female. It doesn't look like a, a male. It could be a male, but pretty sure. Is this and a it's real suspect or is this a, yeah. what they want you to yeah, they, see? Yeah, she goes to the tree and... Okay. Well, I mean, I mean that's that's what we have, right? Okay. Again, can't you know we can pinpoint all the, the <laughs> protesters that go into the building and and find them all throughout the United States and Canada, but we can't find yeah, this woman who put a fucking bomb. <laughs> so when when a bomb when there's a bomb threat, well, I'm, okay. So like you work, you're an active law enforcement officer. Roughly, how many officers to deal with a bomb threat at a major fucking building? Like oh, like say there's a federal it's, building. It's everybody, everybody, everybody that's working is gonna go. Something right, yeah. like traffic. Yeah, you're gonna yeah perimeter, you know, uh, note taker, you know, uh, whatever you Scribe. guys call them, scribes. Yeah. yeah, you know, um, we call it a crime scene reporter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're gonna have all of it. Yeah, canines are gonna be everywhere. So that's a lot of assets. So if you're at 200 cops, and already at 6:30 in the morning in front of the RNC, you've got a bomb threat. You need more. You need more already. Yeah. So they pull a bunch of officers over there. Well, then there was the the bomb threat at the DNC. But so like everybody talks about the bomb at the DNC, but nobody talks about the original bomb at the RNC. Mm. And they have no information on the DNC one. So now you've got the RNC, which I don't think the RNC was that big of a deal because there wasn't anybody over there. Was it a real bomb? No. No. But I mean, it was a curated lookalike bomb. I mean, it was definitely placed there to make you think yeah. this is a fucking bomb. Um, I think the CIA put it there, and I might be wrong on that. Like we might be able, to, it might have been a real bomb, but either way, real or not, for all intents and purposes, it's a fucking bomb. Yeah. Like you don't, you got to treat it like you got to treat it like a bomb. You think the CIA put it there? Uh, I don't know. Are you, I mean, it is weird that a black female would get involved like that. That's just not typical behavior. Uh, from if that you analyze a, the gender and race, yeah, that's right. Not, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you were like if you were anti Biden. I mean, I would probably say the chances are you're a white dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially handling a bomb. Not to say that some white dude didn't go to a black girl and offer her money, but not to say that the CIA or one of your role player FBI guys couldn't roll up on it. <laughs> you know, because we saw the Gretchen, the, the Gretchen Whitmer case. You know, and by the way, those guys just got acquitted this week. Hallelujah. Oh. It's fucking rad. Well, I mean, they're all scumbags. But yeah. they they should not be in, in prison for what they did because I don't think they... I mean, that was, that, a, def- that was a government that recently, setup. Right? Yeah, um, I, I covered it a while ago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely a government setup for sure. So anyway, so, you, so now they've got all these officers here, and now they got all the rest of them at the DNC. They have nobody left. Then when they were evacuating the DNC out of the back, as I remember it, they have to, they have, to have how many officers per intersection for a motorcade? If you had a to lot. do a motorcade, how many per intersection? At least, at least two. You'd like to have yeah. four. Yeah. You know, especially if it's a four-way. So now, you, you know, how many, you know, you know, D.C., stop sign, stop sign, stop sign, stop sign. Those are all intersections. So you're talking two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. You know, you're probably talking 30 cops to get them out of the city by motorcade, uh, which is a lot to coordinate uh, as a supervisor. That quick. Real quick. Yeah. And you've got 300,000 plus. Some people say a million. Some people say 100,000. Let's go... Somewhere in the middle, let's say three hundred thousand. I think is very reasonable if you look yeah. at that footage. So now you got three hundred thousand people. So you know when you saw the footage of the cops leaving, mm-hmm. they just were like, "All right, deuces." So I actually talked to one of those cops on and the record would, or off the record. Uh, I mean, over the phone. Definitely not going to drop his name. Well, was he is, was he telling you? Yeah. To kind of inform you what happened, or was he telling you officially to use? 
Like no, he was just telling me he was like, hey man, if like you want something because I put out like, hey, if there's any capital PD that oh, want to okay, get that want to that want to, I don't want to do this January six episode and by any means get it wrong mm-hmm. on your behalf. Like I just want to put out the facts, and if I don't know, I don't know. So he says, when we left that, the media of course paints it like we just were like, fuck it, we're out. What our orders were was we've got more delegates in and people are already moving inside the other side. Like they're moving to the other side and nobody knew yet that there were people in there. So they were like, everybody get to an intersection right now because we're all leaving out this side with everybody. Yeah. So they, instead of securing the buildings and all the people, they, they just made the decision to go ahead and secure the motorcade. Yeah. Cause I, I I mean, I'm guessing at that point, you know, human life is more important than property. Than property. Yeah. But you wouldn't make those decisions as Nancy Pelosi and write those emails. Those were written by her, not, not, not Chuck Schumer, but Nancy Pelosi, as I recall it. Um, you don't make those decisions unless you kind of want something to happen. I, I'm, I'm trying to think, think of an example, but it's like if I tell you, if I tell my 10 year old son, hey, homie, I'm going out in the backyard to mow my yard right now. Yeah. There's a movie over there that's got a lot of nudity in it, yeah. and I don't want you watching it at all. Like, don't look at it. I mean, there are some real bodacious <laughs> tatas in that movie, and I'm going to be out there on my loud snapper and I'm lawnmower. Not coming in. <laughs> but if you hear me shut it off, it's because I'm coming in because it automatically shuts <laughs> off. Do not look at that video. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's like, a great if analogy. I would have just went out there and mowed the yard and not said shit, we wouldn't have a problem. Yeah. I feel like, in my opinion, after all the research you I've co- done, you sign you co- like not coerce people, but you like subconsciously influence the entire yeah. population. To, exactly to do something. Yeah, it's it's like you allowed it to happen. Now you're kind of making a bet on that those people are going to be stupid enough to do it, which they were. However, I think what they accounted, what they really wanted, was them to be really stupid and light that bitch on fire. And yeah, which they would have never like, done because they're was, true Americans, right? Yeah. And I think that they were like, uh, it was still an insurrection. It still happened. But- Konnichiwa, bitches. I'm here to tell you about Refracted Wolf Apparel. Founded in 2021, Refracted Wolf Apparel is outsider apparel for the front lines, right? So whether or not you're a first responder, or you're military, or you're a veteran, or you're a nurse, or a corrections officer, or a dispatcher, we're all public servants. Sometimes that shit sucks and it can get super dark. So our clothing line and our artwork and our graphic tees, we kind of represent that. You know, we just become outsiders to our own cultures. Whether or not you're a a SWAT guy, we got you. Street cop guys, we got you. Crusty old veterans, we got you. We got everything you need. Hats, stickers, flags, especially graphic tees. We got all of them. Use anti-hero for 15% off refracted wolf apparel. It was like the Gretchen Whitmere case. They took three extremely, extremely retarded rednecks. I mean, these dudes couldn't fucking leave their trailer if they stopped smoking pot for like a week because they were just perpetually high and drunk all the time. They had no money. They didn't even have a car that they could fit in. And then like this fed boy comes in who's an informant, but he's not even really informant. He's just another white trash piece of shit who drinks beers with him. And then like the, the, he needs to work off a charge. And so the feds are like, you, you got to give us something. Like what about all this these guys real? that were this huh? is conspiracy or this is real? Well, this is real. Okay. And it went to trial twice, which was a weird double jeopardy case, which is, you know, really not talked about. I've also covered it, but so, um, 
they had hit there. There was like a minor protest. Well, not minor. I mean, it was a minor insurrection where they open carried into a federal building up to the top floor and kind of made everybody evacuate. And then they got away. So the feds really wanted to kind of find out who was in charge of that. Um, and, and, and so they kind of went over to these, these guys that they knew were there, not necessarily like leaders, but definitely the dumb Fox that went in because again, the three guys, and I have all their names and all that stuff on the podcast. I just don't remember it now, but you know, definitely, you know, incapable of, yeah. of doing anything intelligent, no experience military with, so they're hanging out and drinking some beers and stuff. And he was like, man, you know what we should do this fed boy, this federal informant that needs to get a charge worked off for the feds. It's like, we should kidnap Gretchen Whitmere. And the two dumb dudes are like, yeah, dude, that would be fucking awesome. And they keep smoking weed the whole day and drinking booze. So he goes back. He's like, I got two guys that will kidnap Gretchen Whitmere. They want to get in on this kidnapping Gretchen Whitmere. And the feds are like, yo, really? That's some good stuff. Yeah, but they can't do it. They don't have a car. All right, well, hang on. Let's get, we're going to give you a van. So they go back and they're like, all right. And they, they, they're like, well, we could do this and we could get her in the van. And they start trying to plan this thing out. And they're like, yeah, we don't really, we'd have to do it at her house. And then we would need somebody to do the car there. So he goes back and he's like, yeah, they're not going to do it because they need another guy. And they're like, well, we got another informant. So they bring in another informant. So you, know, you have two informants and two non-informants. So the two informants are like, yeah, here, we can be a part of this plan. We can make this thing happen. And we have a van, by the way. So they're like, oh, okay. So they start putting the wheels in motion. They're like, but here's what we need to do. We need to blow this bridge up, you know, like bridge over the River Coy or something, you know, do it. And they're like, but we don't have any explosives. So yeah, we're just not going to do it. So they go by the feds like, yeah, they're not going to do it because they don't have any explosives. And they're like, hold up. We got a dude. We got another informant and we can pack him with fake explosives. So now you have three informants yeah. and two dudes and they needed a real FBI agent to go on this just to make sure that the kidnapping doesn't happen. So you have five people working for the feds. One that's heavily really FBI. Heavily influenced. <laughs> <laughs> so when this go, when they get caught, right? So when the, you know they they get you know the big raid happens, uh, the FBI raids them before they get to the bridge, and you know, and, and then the whole thing is exposed. Well, when it goes before a jury, they're acquitted within two hours. They're like, yeah, this is they can't, this is like entrapment. Yeah. So the jury is like not guilty on all counts. So the Department of Justice says, Retract. nope, we're recharging them and we're not doing a jury trial. And they sentence them. Well, they were just now acquitted this week after years of being in, in yeah. jail. You know what I mean? But like, of course, the double jeopardy thing. Nobody's argued the w, double jeopardy thing. Because it's another case. If they're recharging them, that right. means they're not retrying them, right? Or something. It was. Yeah. It was just like a bizarre. It's. It was like something that's that, really never. That really was, been done. That 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 the FBI's attempts to get them reminds me of that South Park episode where he's like acting like a prostitute. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> yeah. And he still sucks them off, and then he's like, "Freeze! You're under arrest." <laughs> so you're you you being Eric Tanzi with failure to stop. You are always interviewing people. You are always putting out content, you're always working. Not a lot of people, unless they go back and archive your original episodes, which they might not, know a lot about you. So I was going to ask you about anything that you want, you know, obviously, you know, because of your background, you probably don't want to put where you live and your kids' names. But, <laughs> you know, things about, <laughs> <laughs> things about you, you know, Eric Tanzi and your career, and then, you know, how, you know, where you came up through and learned this side of, you know, because you were a government guy, you were 
army law enforcement and then you jumped into the whatever we'd call this <laughs> and then you started your own version of this so you know kind of want to see if you'd walk us through that journey i mean yeah it just it's it, my whole life's kind of just been a bizarre journey right but i'm just you gotta mow it i do have a <laughs> freaking rad mullet though i've got so much like the gay community loves mullets now <laughs> uh yeah my wife hates it but the gays like it so what years were you in the army uh, 2003, 2003, and uh, I was working on a deep sea fishing boat, had longer hair than I have right now, and um, just a surf bomb, super skinny, like 130 pounds, never thought about joining the military ever, I was driving to the boat, it was 5.30 in the morning, and uh, and the Battle of Fallujah was on the radio, and it was like the initial, the Marines were moving into Fallujah, and so they were playing on the radio, it was like... Like, Damn, troops are moving into back Fallujah. when America Bro. was America. You know, things were blowing up and stuff. And I was just like, oh, I'm about to go like catch a whole bunch of Mahi Mahi all day with, you know, a bunch of Yankees. Uh, I should probably think about doing something. So I went to a recruiter station having no clue. It was a National Guard recruiting station. I didn't even know what the National Guard was. I had never even heard of it. Never even heard of the National Guard. I was a finance building. I walk in with board shorts and fish guts. All over me, and I'm like, everybody's like, "Can we help you?" And I was like, uh, <laughs> "There's a terrorist in the lobby." <laughs> I want to join. This is my exact words. I was like, "I want to join the military, but I don't want to be in the military. I just want to go to war." And they were like, "Right this way." <laughs> and they were like, "Well, we're the National Guard. We do. We're perfect. We do one week in a month. You're not really in the military. And you're in you Florida. In the yeah, I'm in St. Augustine, Florida. And uh, Sergeant First Class Torres. There might have been like Staff Sergeant Torres back then, but." Um, and she, I was like, well, listen, like, I just want to do, like, bare minimum. Set. I just want to go to war. And she's like, well, we got a scout unit. We got a calf scout unit that's going to be deploying. Nobody knows this yet, but these guys are going to be going 2004, 2005, somewhere around that time frame. So I was like, well, cool. It's 2003. I'll join now. By the time I get out of basic, you know, all the AIT recon stuff, I'll I'll you know, to, you know, get to go overseas. And so that's what I did. And it was like, dude, it, I'm so glad I did the national guard and not the regular army. Cause I, they would have eaten my lunch back then as I had no discipline, none, nor did I have intelligence. You don't have any, well, you got discipline now, yeah, but it's, now. it's like learned discipline. And yeah. now you, now you use the discipline you learned in your career to try and harness your crazy ideas. Yeah. Your, you know, it was wild, dude. <laughs> so I was like, I got there Nobody kind of like everybody tolerated me. I don't know that they liked me. I was probably the youngest, at least second youngest, third youngest. I, I was in, definitely the youngest in the unit, and um, you know, just wired to the T, dumb as a bag of rocks. Get deployed, and uh, we get attached to a special forces unit that needs like a dude with their best PT score and your best shooter on the squad, and we need them. And they were like, "Danzy, come here." And I was like, what? Now like, you're going to go with these dudes. And they're, you know, the bearded guys. So I went with them for like three months, fully embedded. And I was like, whoa, whatever this is, this is what I'm doing the rest of my career. Cause like, that's, this is fucking cool. And um, so I was with them for three months. I ended up staying with them for three prior months because nobody else wanted to go. And I came you back. You stayed late? You stayed? No, I didn't stay late, but I was only supposed to do three months with them, yeah. with that, with the, the 20 Special Forces guys. Mm-hmm. And then when we came back to the, uh, the camp that we were coming back to, they were like, all right, we're going to go back out in like three days. Who wants to take Tansy's spot? And everybody was like, oh, fuck that. Like yeah. three weeks of MREs and sleeping on the trucks and driving all day long. No, thank you. And I was like, sweet, I'll go again. They're like, you uh, sure? I was like, yeah. fuck yeah. So I went back for another three months. Um, it was between Jalalabad and, and uh, Kabul. 
um, in a place called the Tagab Valley. And, um, and it was great, man. Uh, and a couple firefights and they did a raid and some air assault stuff that I got to be a part of. And, 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 and I was like, I was hooked, man. So I came home and I went to selection. I got selected, went through the most of the Green Beret program and, until I, I got in a little bit. I got hung up in somebody else's investigation. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah, somebody uh, defrauded the government and uh, I was witness to it. And I just didn't want to talk. I was too young. Again, I was like, now I was like 24 years old and I just graduated SEER. And, um, and so I, I, I didn't want to rat them out. And so I got myself caught up in a four month long investigation. I was not guilty of anything. And I got to return to, to the special operations. Um, but I had already missed too much of language school and I had to wait for the next class. I came back, went to, to California with the team and then part of the team went to Nicaragua. And so I missed out on another part of, of language school. And then I went, uh, cause back you're doing now, now you're in a, you're working in the group, in the group. Yeah. I was in group waterborne operations, I but was you're still trying to go back to, uh, language Q school. Course. Yeah. Back to the queue to finish. I only had to finish language and then Robin Sage, well, radios and Robin Sage back then you had done part of everything already except Robin Sage. Mm. So you'd already done a little bit of radio and you'd already done a little bit of language the way it was set up. So I had to finish both the rest of language and the rest of radios. And, uh, and then in that time frame, I was with the group and, and, and I was on active duty and we were going everywhere and doing a lot of things. We worked with the DEA a little bit. Um, and I was, you know, and I kept putting it off, putting it off. And then new Sergeant major came around to first special warfare institution. By the time I went back and they were like, yo, you haven't been back here in like over a year. I was like, I know, but I've been with group this whole time. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, you're gonna have to go back from the beginning Hell to the I world. was like yeah I'm just not I, I, I met a girl who I'm married to now and uh and I already and plus deployment rotations was a little bit different and uh and by that time I had figured that uh, I wanted to be a wine salesman I'd really fallen in love with wine and women a woman and well, that's what I wanted to do so I got out to be a wine salesman realized I was a shitty salesman and uh, became a cop because that's what uh, somebody like me with no college does. You become a cop. So I a Raleigh police officer, Raleigh cop for eight years. My second year, I broke my leg fighting a murder suspect. Got 12, sc- 12 screws, two pins, a plate and a rod in my left leg for it. And Did you get him, uh, huh? Did you get him or did you get away? Yeah, no, I got him. He committed suicide in the jail too, like right after we got him there. Maxwell Mitchell. <laughs> I thought you meant. Say his name. Hashtag say his name. He committed suicide. No, like, no. Eh. That'd have been awesome. Yeah. With my go. gun in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> he put my gun in his mouth <laughs> and shot himself. Um, no, he uh, jumped off the balcony, though. That was, you know, Maxwell Mitchell. Um, and rest in pieces, homie. And uh, and so when I was down, I was like in a wheelchair because my leg was broke, like from my feet, like my ankle, like all the way up to my knee. Mm. And um, and they weren't even able to, like, work on my knee problems yet because yeah. the broken leg part was all fucked up. So I was in a wheelchair. And my wife comes in and she's like, yo, you're not going to sit here for five months and just watch porn on your phone all day. Like, you got to find a hobby. And so she left. I was high on codeine at the time, codeine, you know. And um, I enrolled myself in the Gallo Wine Academy through the Society of Wine Educators, like a wine school. You're still a cop, right? I was still still a cop, yeah. yeah. And my wife comes home and she's like, did you find a hobby? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I enrolled in the Gallo Wine Academy. She was like, what? I was like, yeah, I just spent like 2500 bucks. She's like, wait, what? And so I was locked in. So while I was a cop, I was studying to be a certified specialist of wine. At the time, that test was a 70% fail rate. Your first time go. <clears throat> and um, my wife's like, you're not going to get a second time go because you'd have to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and she was like, so you're going you're gonna to pass it. So I spent the next, I, I came back from the, from the broken leg 
pretty quickly. I was supposed to be out for five months. I think I came back to the force in exactly five months. Like I was supposed to be like in a wheelchair for five months, but like yeah. I went through therapy. Like I was doing therapy before they even scheduled me to start therapy. And I went back, literally got in a foot chase my second night back. Couldn't couldn't catch him because I I couldn't run. Like yeah. I couldn't run at all. So they put me on a desk in the station for a couple of weeks to let my leg heal. And then um and then I went back to to the streets and uh and I was just hammering that wine, dude. I was studying wine all night long, man. I would I would uh, volunteer for every homicide case as a crime scene recorder. Nobody else wanted to do it. Nobody else wanted to sit with the suspects at the detective station, right? Because street cops want to be yeah. park art. And oh, I was it like, buy time to keep to studying? Study. Yeah, and I was hitting the flashcards, man. And it just... So I became... A, I passed the test, became a certified specialist of wine. and then, That's a big um, deal. It was a really big deal. Because when you I tell mean, me I'm a certified specialist of wine, I'm like, yeah. okay. But yeah, now you're telling me that. That's like a big deal. It's, it's a lot, man. Yeah, it is a lot. I mean... I cried when I passed the test just because like it, that was like the first real academic. That was the first time I've ever proved myself academically because I didn't go to college. I was a fucking terrible high school student, like C minus at best. Like I think they gave me C minuses because they just didn't want to hold me back. So they just yeah. like, we need to get this fucking kid out of here. And um, so that was like my first academic milestone, I guess you would say, you know, and that's where I proved like, Hey, I can study. I can also take a test under pressure. And, um, and a very difficult test, and uh, and and I got a seventy seven, and seventy five was passing, so like still C student, right? Like still there. But I, bro, I never studied for anything harder in my life. I mean, I, I mean, it was like the state exam. You remember? I used, you, yeah. Imagine yeah, the state that's exam. A big deal. Yeah, it was exactly yeah. you know that kind of pressure too. Um, and you know, you, you you think you've studied, you think you know the answers to the state exam. Like when you went in there, you're like, dude, I'm getting a hundred. Like oh, I, got I like know an eighty. All this, yeah. And then you get there, and it's like the way the questions are worded, you're like, yeah. I don't fucking they, know. They didn't even none of the study material was like this. Yeah, you're like, this is not how it was worded. <laughs> this is like a math equation. Like, what does this have to do with? So um, I became a certified specialist of wine, and then was still just charging it really hard as a street cop. And then I just fell in love with being. I became good. You know, when you're a, a new street cop, you suck at everything. Mm. Like you suck at traffic stops, you suck at foot chases, you suck at all of it, and you just feel like a big. Well, at least I did. I felt like a loser like all the time. Like I always felt like I was fucking up. Always, you know. Yeah. I didn't feel like I get everything like. Well, you know, by your third or fourth year, you're like, oh, dude, this is easy. Like, I'm in mean, a foot chase. Ma- I need a perimeter. You master the street, it becomes a dangerous game because yeah. you start like. Yeah, lobbying. you're able to get a bunch of arrest stats, eat, and go home on time. You're yeah. a professional. At you're your proud, dude. And you start to like work informants. You know, you, yeah. start, you start trying to write search warrants. You start and becoming stuff. Denzel like, from uh, Yeah, yeah, like, Danny Day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then I started like really enjoying being a cop, and I was like, well, I don't really want to keep going through the sommelier course because I don't really want to put on a suit and tie and be a sommelier. I want to be a street cop. So I just kept being a street cop, and then um, I met a lawyer, and. Um, and we were talking about liquor, and and I went on a big rant about rum, and um, and grappa, which is a, an Italian spirit, and I, I just was like on like I just raged on people's ignorance of of liquor because everybody's a bourbon guy. I love bourbon, I like it, but like nobody knows anything but bourbon, like, and they have no idea that there's like other really amazing spirits, brandy, and that has amazing war history. Like bourbon doesn't have any war history. Like brandy has fucking war history. Rum has naval war history. Like there's battles. Like there's a whole book called like Wine and War, and, and it can explain different brandies too. And but you know, wine at rum has pirates and all this stuff. So and I was like, man, you guys miss out on all this. Like bourbon, there's really not much to talk about other than. It being bourbon and it being in an oak barrel. Like, there's not really any, like, great war stories or pirate stories or looting and raping stories. You know, so I just felt like, you know, people just weren't cultured enough in other spirits. 
And he was like, yo, you should open up your own distillery and like teach people that stuff. And I went home that night. I woke up the next morning. I looked at my wife. I was like, I'm going to open up a distillery. She was like, oh, okay, you have no money. And Well, I mean, uh, everybody knows when you want to open a bar, the liquor license is the biggest thing. Yeah. Not, not, not fuck the building. Right. Fuck owning a business. Fuck the patrons you got to get in. Fuck the business plan. None of that fucking matters, really, because the fucking liquor license is yeah. what. And it's like a two year waiting list. Do you have to get one for a distillery? Yeah. Even the, oh, because yes. you sell liquor there. Yeah. It's, you have to get a federal one, a state one, a county one, and approved by the town. And none of those take less than a month. Yeah. I you don't know. know. North Carolina, you couldn't even buy liquor on Sundays. Now a you, lot of people well, don't know. Well, now you can. Oh, from, oh. from the distillery, but not from the liquor store. Yeah, so a lot Very of people common. don't know this. Some states are so controlled with their alcohol sales. Like Florida, you can go into a gas station and buy liquor at 3 in the morning. Wild just, West. Yeah. Wild you wild go West. to North Carolina or Virginia, you have to go to it's buy like liquor. 9 to 5. You have to they go to They can't sell it to you. An like they can't, You can't store. be like, hey, what's a good rum? They can't give you advice because they're state employees. Oh. So it was like, well, I don't know. You know? What's it called? Alcoholic beverage control. Yeah. ABC story. And dude, when you some want- of those like, like they did an audit, bro. Some of those fuck that because it's all like passed down from like, like you know, you you're the you are the manager, and so you're like, oh, well, I'm gonna hire my buddy Brent, and he's gonna be uh, the cashier for a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's how much they make. Yeah, because it's it, because it's backed by the county, so like the county's paying for it. The taxes pay for those employees. They're state employees. Oh. So they're like, it's like everybody was making like mad bank and it was all staying within family and friends, nepotism. And so now they're trying to change it all. I mean, it was, it was a big chaotic to do. And I was right in the middle of it. And, and uh, but yeah, my wife like laughed. She was like, that's probably not going to happen. I went back to, to, to work and, uh, you know, every, you know, I had rookies at that point because I was a field training officer. And so I would just be like, all right, you know, go solve crime and I'll sit here and and write out a business plan and study how to get these licenses and these permits and everything. And I just started banging them out, man. I started listening to podcasts about how to start businesses and not just listening to them, but like I would listen to it and I would literally go home and do exactly what they said to do yeah. on the podcast. Like, a lot of people don't understand. It's, it's very easy to do these things. It's all out there. Yeah. You're thinking that people listen to it. <laughs> They'll listen to 10 episodes and be so overwhelmed by the information. They're like, nah, that sounds really hard. If you just listen to one episode and turn the fucking thing off and go do everything that that one episode told you to do, get that done. Now go listen to the second one. Yeah. And the third one and the fourth one. And before you know it, you know, two years later. So it took two years to get it open. We got it open. Um, the lawyer ended up being my partner and a Delta, uh, a, a tier one special operator. Uh, I don't want to say too much about him because he's still an operator. Uh, became my business partners, and those were my two business partners. And we opened up a distillery, and then I got fired. Officer of the year that year, that fired the same year. Yeah, you great. ever get, you ever gotten an award and gotten a write up in the same one? Absolutely, and just hold them both up. Oh yeah, oh it's the best, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it the best? Like there's no but there's no greater joy. But I don't think you can have like a really good case without getting in trouble for it. No, which is fucked up because anytime something makes it to the limelight, especially in policing, the, the, like internal affairs and everything, they love to fucking tattletale too. Mm-hmm. They love that shit. Yeah, and when I when I meet a cop, I don't want to know about any of your awards. I could, I don't. I want to know how much you got in trouble. Yeah. And that, and that every good cop, whether they want to admit that or not, you could have tons of merit awards and you know all kinds of crazy. I don't give a fuck about any of that. It's, I want to know what you got in trouble for and why. You know, are you a really, are you a really bad person to be around, or are you a really good cop? Right. Both of those types of people are going to get disciplined. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. But. yeah, you can't be a good street cop and not be in a, you know, but you, you, you're you not going to make sergeant very quickly either. And you're not going to make, 
you know, uh, any specialized, but I fell in love with being a street cop, man. Like I had pretty much put in my mind. I was going to be one of two things. I was either gonna be a street cop or a SWAT operator. One of the two. Um, but in Raleigh SWAT opens up like once every five years mm-hmm. and they might get two positions. So like that was really never in my eight years. You know, there was like one opportunity didn't make the list. Oh, well, not a big deal. Um, you know, because it gets really political at that at that oh, point. Oh, so it's I about know. who you know oh, and who I you know. schmooze with. And I'm not a schmoozer. Yeah. You know, oh. um, I'm, I'm not like a I'm not going to schmooze up to you. I'm going to do my own thing. But I really do love being a street cop, man. I loved it. Um, and and I loved I loved being a field training officer. I never failed a rookie, man. And and it was all about making the rookie confident, dude. And oh my god, I it. said the same thing. There, a monkey could do this job. So when someone's not getting it, I'm not a big fan of. Oh, well, then they get a new FTO. I don't think you should be able to pick your FTOs like you can't pick your sergeants, like you can't pick your drill sergeant. You're not allowed to pick. You have to, as a new guy, you got to adapt. But if someone's really not learning, there's different ways to teach somebody. Now, if if they don't make it throughout the process, they don't make it. But I was the same way. I I never had anybody fail. I was the guy that they gave to when they're like, this guy's a fuck up. And I I would would just see, I would tell him, this is what they're saying about you. I don't know you. But I'm going to, so I can be fair to you, I'm going to tell you, you're fucked up in this, this, and that way, and let's fix it. You know, yeah. do you want to be here? Yeah. Okay, well, I don't know you. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you what you're, they're telling me. So let's, yeah. get it, let's get it going, you know? Yeah. So they would come to me. And it, any, if they were failing, they came to me. It was like the rolling joke that like, oh, if, if we send them to Tansy, they're going to pass. And, and my philosophy was very simple. They would get to me and like 99% of the time, the reason why they weren't making it was because they lack of confidence. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and so what I would do is I say, dude, why did you become a cop? Uh, what do you mean? I was like, why do you want to be a cop? Don't tell me like you wanted to fucking save people. This isn't part of your stupid paragraph that you wrote. Like, tell me why you really, what did you really want? Like, what, what did you see on TV that made you want to be a cop? Well, I really wanted to, you know, just mediate domestic violence stuff. You know, I came from a bad home and blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool, dude. For three weeks, because I got you for nine, for three weeks, we're doing nothing. We're not going to do nothing. I'll do all the other calls, but for three weeks, you're going to do all the domestic violence calls that go out in the city. We'll do all the ones that you want to do. And then after that three weeks, we're going to go to do something I want to do. And then at the next three weeks, we're going to blend them two together. And so you take them to the, you, you know, they can't do a traffic stop, but they can do domestic violence. Well, guess what? The reason they couldn't do a traffic stop is because they didn't know how to talk to somebody. But all the practice that they got doing the domestic violence, which is all talking, then I say, look, dude, you just, you've been talking to people for three fucking weeks. Go pull that car over. Have the same conversation. Yeah. But instead of like it being about beating a wife, it's about why you can't drive fucking you know, 35 miles an hour, you know, you're driving 65 and a 35. Well, that is just anything. If you, if you're trying something and you're not succeeding and you're in your own head, you got to stop, go get confident, do something you're good at. Yeah. You enjoy doing and then come back. Well, let's face it. When you become other... a real cop, you don't have to pull anybody over. No, I know you don't have to, you don't have to go work domestic violence situations. Like you can fucking, if you really want to, if you really hated domestics, you could drive like 20 miles an hour to get there and let everybody beat you to it. You know what I mean? Like, you, you're, there's a way to snake under the rug. But, you know, and, and I think it's cool when you have a squad of people who enjoy different things. Yeah. Like, we had a female in our squad. She was, like, the only female. She loved domestics. So, like, but she fucking hated car accidents, you know? I fucking hate car accidents and domestics. I like to do drugs and warrants and guns and shit, you know? So, it's like, you know, we had one dude that loved to do car accidents, so he would do them. She would take all the domestics. I would do all the fucking warrants and all the... I would do all the fucking fun stuff. I would do all the fun stuff. <laughs> What's that in the other guy? <laughs> With uh, The Rock and Sam and Jackson. Yeah. He's like, doing all that stupid shit that nobody wants to do. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to fucking do. But, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, I still have... My heart's still in it for, like, street cops, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, 
we'll go back into your journey a second, but essentially, well, okay, I'll get into that. So you're, you're leaving law enforcement kind of against your will, but yeah, for uh, sure. I, it, I wanted to be a cop, but maybe uh, you want it. People say God works in mysterious ways or the universe works yeah. in mysterious ways. But like when you're so, you know, I say you, I don't mean you, but when someone's so hard headed and they're not going the path they need to go, all of a sudden doors shut for no reason. You, yeah. And you don't know why. Yeah. And you're like, this makes no sense. <laughs> like life. What is my life right now? So well, you're done with law enforcement. How did you get into this world of podcasting and media? And stuff well, like because that? I got fired, it made like national news. Did it really? Yeah. I was the first cop in Raleigh to be fired in like 20 years. It was like 29 years. Everybody resigned. What'd you do? Before they got fired. Opened up a distillery. Oh, that was the reason why you got fired? <laughs> yeah. Unbecoming of an officer. What? My, my paperwork, I've got it framed. It says the values of a police officer do not coincide with the values of a distillery owner. And still to this day, like if you Google my name, it's like the first thing that pops up like Raleigh of the year fired for opening up a distillery. Yeah, so I was, all, and I made officer of the year. You didn't sue the shit out of them? Or did well, you just yeah, let it go? So, but that, that, and that's another well, lesson. lesson. That's another lesson I've learned, though. But, like, yeah, I was going through the whole process of them, suing it, but then COVID hit, and they turned down all my stuff for, like, three years. They put me on, or two years. They put it on, like, there was no word. And then all of a sudden, it's like a Wednesday afternoon, they're like, oh, your civil service hearing is on Tuesday next week. Well, I go and call the union lawyer, but he retired. Wow, so Nobody got, even told me They got you with time So then I'll try to go another one And then the other lawyer's like Dude I don't have enough time to By Tuesday you, by, by Tuesday <laughs> So I called them to put it off And they were like no It's it's timed out I'm like what if, Like it's so unfair Yeah You know yeah. so I, like I learned that That's just their strategy They're not gonna do it But yeah so I got fired uh, But before that While I was still a cop I had been writing a book For my kids Because at the time I had three kids Now I have five But I wanted to I was a terrible report writer and, 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 um, and I needed practice anyway. And so on night shift when I was at home, instead of just playing video games or doing something else, I would type while my wife and kids slept, right? Because when you're on night shift, you stay on night shift. Yeah. You know what I mean? You so your family's sleeping and you, you got to have a better, you have a be better, uh, hobby rather than drinking. Yeah. If you, you know, that's where you won't drink cause you're depressed or unhappy. You'll drink cause you're bored, cause as, you're fuck bored as fuck and you got to stay up two in the morning and your yeah. whole family's sleeping. And you've watched Rambo three. Like, <laughs> you've watched Rambo like too many times. You've watched all the Rockies, you know, like how many times can you watch uh, Anchorman and, and all the, the, you know? So yeah, I just started typing on this book and, um, and it was a comedy, right? Because like we always joke, like Navy SEALs write books and like yeah. Green Braids write books, and everything. And I've always hated it. Like I've, I've always hated every war book except the Vietnam books. Like those were dope. They were like, yeah, we got in the tunnel and fucking there was a rat and you shot. But like all the new books are like they're all the same. As in they start out with like, well, I grew up wrestling alligators in South Florida, and you know I always knew I was going to be in the military, and then you know I joined the military. It's like this whole life story about them getting in the military, and then like a little bit of combat, and then like. The outro, like the Vietnam books and the World War II books was like all fucking like combat and war. It was dope. But like nobody's ever like really told like the truth about it. Like all the fuck, like nobody starts out being a Tim Kennedy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like Tim Kennedy they was a piece of shit at some point. Start out as you know, like he was a private. He was a dummy, you know, but like, and I'm sure he, I'm sure Tim Kennedy and all your, your big fans, like all your, your big Navy SEALs, your Rob O'Neill, I bet you they have a million hilarious stories of their fuck ups. 
but nobody like but nobody writes a book like about shooting, that. Like shooting like shooting Bin in the face when he's already down. When he's already dead. Like yeah. that would have been a great joke. <laughs> like I would have written that in my book. That would still fucking cool. It'd be like, yo, I saw him, he twitched. I don't know. He so your, been. your book is kind of a humorous, cynical. It, yeah, it's like look definitely at, making fun of my it's all the funny stuff, dude. Like all yeah. the you know, maybe like singing Kumbaya while somebody like when some gang members taking their last breath, you know, like all the you know, throwing somebody's keys out in the woods that just murdered somebody and you just thought they were drunk and you didn't want to do a DUI. <laughs> so you tossed their keys uh, in the woods. This and, is in your book? Yeah. 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 I threw a dude's keys out. Uh he, he was uh he kind of spun out on the highway into a median and I was going to get coffee and donuts at like four AM and all my squad mates were at the the donut shop waiting for me. And I see him and he's like turning, he's like facing the wrong way in traffic. And so that scared me. But I realized that he had like wiped out his car. So I got out and it's this Mexican Chapo and he wants to fight. Like he's out, he's doing the Chapo like, mm, mm. and I'm like, yo, what's going on? Are you all right? And he was like, mm, mm. and I was like, dude, we're not going to do this. It's like four in the morning. And, and like, even if I lose, I got like fucking 200 friends working at night. Like you're going to get bit by a dog and everything. I was like, tell you what, dude, you're obviously drunk, but you've wrecked your truck. You didn't hit anybody. But you've learned your lesson. I'll tell you what, let's make a deal. And he's like moving in on me. And I'm like, I've got my arm out. Like it's going down. I was like, dude, let's make a deal. And he stops. And he's like, what? And I was like, you throw your keys as far out those woods as you can. I'll fucking act like I never saw you. And he was like, serious? I was like, yeah. And he was like, how far I got to throw them? I was like, real fucking far, dude. <laughs> like make an effort Part of the fucking deal <laughs> Yeah like make an effort dude <laughs> So this dude launches the keys Out into the woods I'm like don't drink and drive Dude you're better than that Lesson learned I, Because You're you're walking away like mm, mm, I just I just helped yeah. the guy Didn't get him in trouble yeah. I'm still going on time To get donuts Still getting my coffee donuts Getting out of here by six Dope and So because his car was turned around I never ran the plate Because <laughs> it was facing the wrong way And I knew that it was going to be a fight Like dude, dude I'm telling you This guy was going to fight Yeah and um and I just thought he was just like you know a drunk fighting Mexican like that's why yeah. he wanted to sometimes you're just not in the mood for it I was not in yeah. the mood for it I've already yeah. broke my arm fighting a dude yeah. too and like it was just like I had a cracked tooth I wasn't very good at fighting obviously so I go up to the, the thing and they're like yo Tizzy like what did you get out on 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 I forty and I was like nothing dude it's like some fucking guy like spun his truck out on some black eyes or something like he's good he didn't even have any keys like I think I think the driver was probably drunk and just like walked off or something and like eh, dope well all of a sudden it's like Oh, units, we have a state trooper in a foot chase headed to the exit of, you know, uh, Pool Road. And uh, he's going to be going up the exit ramp of exit, you know, 42. And everybody's like, well, I mean, that, that's we're literally on the on ramp, like the on ramp dead ends into the gas station that we're all eating donuts. So we all bust out of the, the gas station, running down the exit ramp. They're running towards us, you know, uh, end up tackling the dude. I end up tackling the Mexican guy. And he's like, yo, get off me, man. That cop already let me go. That cop already let me go. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. You know, like, <laughs> giving him some, I'm like, no, he didn't. Like, you know, and so. Um, he's crazy. He's crazy. Yeah, this guy's <laughs> fucking crazy. And I was like, man, I, I was like, the, the trooper's like, get him, get him. Up. He's like, I got him, I got him. Hook him up, hook him up. He's like, all right, get him up, get him up. And we're standing up. I was like, man, I've, I've already dealt with this guy. He, he doesn't even have any car keys. And he was drunk. He's like, I don't give a shit shit about the car keys that truck is stolen and it comes back to a homicide in charleston south carolina <laughs> and he was the dude he was the fucking suspect did you tell him to fuck up? i was like <laughs> so everybody was like looking at me like <laughs> weird i was like huh, that's crazy anyway you know? so you know but nobody, tells home. Us, nobody puts those stories in the book yeah you know yeah, so yeah. i just wrote this huge comedy and it was just for fun and then um, three years later, oh, so the podcasting thing started happening because of the the viral firing, and um, it just so happened that that it was the Drinking Bros. Uh, they were owned by Black Rifle Coffee's Jared Taylor, and um, 
they did a podcast with me at my distillery, which was rad. And they did a, oh, so you oh, Drinking Bros did a and uh, you were an, uh, a guest on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, and they did it at my show. So they were supposed to be going live to an event, but Trump showed up to the event, and all the media passes got canceled because Trump showed up. So they were like, "Well, where's the next best place?" Because they were they had already like flown to like Nashville or something. I can't remember where it was at, but anyway, it came up like all these people just started like, "You should, you should uh, check out this story." So I get a call at like ten thirty at night from Ross Patterson from Drinking Bros. And I was a big fan of Drinking Bros. At the time, I, I mean, I was a religious listener. And he was like, "What's up, brother?" And I was like, "Oh my god, that sounds like Ross Patterson." And um, he's like, we want to do a podcast at your, your location. And so they all came down. It was like a huge meetup. It was, you know, a lot of people that showed up at my distillery. And this was like three, maybe three months after I got fired. And it was really great. And they, they uh, Christmas Abbott, who I'm obviously a big fan of. She's Maxim Magazine model, Olympian CrossFit, Olympian lifter and CrossFit champion. She was on Big Brother. I don't know. Christmas Abbott, she's hot, really hot. So she's in my distillery telling a story about her asshole prolapsing. And I'm like, this is this is the best she day of my life. Star? No, but she was like giving birth and she prolapsed her asshole while she was giving birth to her first child. Mm. Hilarious. So I'm like, I'm a huge fan of her. Like, <laughs> I was like, this is rad. Like a, 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 a woman who I've been a big fan of because I did the CrossFit thing for a little while. And I'm like, she's talking about prolapsing her asshole in my distillery. This is the best day of my life. So then they had me on, and I had them laughing, rolling after the show. They were like, yo, have you ever thought about podcasting? And I was like, no, absolutely not. And they were like, dude, we would love to podcast with you. Like, let's get you back on some shows. Well, then George Floyd died. So they were like, hey, there's this George Floyd character that's, that died, and this video's starting to go viral. Can we get you into the studio? And, and as a former cop, tell us what you see. And I'm like, well, send me what you got. Let me see what's going on. They sent me like the first 10-second video. None of the riots had taken place. I hadn't really been on the news all that much. And I'm like, it could be anything. That dude could have fucking bit him and the cop beat the brakes off of yeah. him. Or like, I mean, it could be a million things. Don't think that cop's racist, but like, I mean, he could be a piece of shit or the dude that he's killing is a piece of shit. Like, I don't know. So like, will you come in and say that? And I did. And like all the cops were like, oh, I'm so glad you did that. I'm so glad yeah. you said that. Yeah, it was a you know, I never said you one way or the other. I just said like, we don't know. As a cop, you can't, you just don't talk about George Floyd. You just don't. Yeah. You just don't talk about it because as soon as you go, eh, like all of a sudden, it's political. It's like January 6th. You just mm -hmm. don't talk about those things if you're an active law enforcement officer. Yeah. And so everybody loved it. And then Drinking Bros was like, hey, man, like this did really well. You're, you know, you're pretty popular with the fans. Like you want to come and do this, this show with us. It was a sports show. I hate fucking sports. I did the sports show for a year. They hooked me up with Mike the Cop. Started podcasting with Mike the Cop. But at the same time, I was still working on this book that I thought was pretty fucking funny. And uh, I ended up sending the book over to uh, uh, Nick Palmashano, owner of Ranger Up, who mm. did Tim Kennedy's book. And um, and so now we're we're uh, we're you know days away from a, a really serious book deal with one of the five large you know one of the big five publishing houses. And so you know, but all that happened, yeah, man. Like in the in the in the span of like three years, dude, I went from being like super left out, down and out. I had to collect unemployment. Um, and food stamps because I lost my fucking job and I spent all my 401k opening up a distillery. Oh. So I had no money, three kids Damn, and bro. no job. Bro, three years ago, I was sitting in unemployment classes, the mandatory unemployment classes. Talk about a day. humbling experience. Bro. Dude, it's so, it, and I would dress like a dirtbag. I'd wear like cut off shirts and stuff because I didn't want to like. Bandana. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to. <laughs> so, brother. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, what's this? What, what is a Ruzumi? What is a Ruzumi? <laughs> How do you feel one of these out? You know, like. Um, sex, yes. <laughs> you know, like, 
So yeah, yeah, it sucked. You're with Drinking Bros, and then yeah. that's when you decide to do your own thing. No, I was with Mike the Cop, and Mike the Cop and I covered Uvaldi, and we just covered it a little we're bit. Still with Drinking Bros. Yeah. Okay. We covered it a little bit differently, and the ad agency was not happy about how we covered it, which was. I remember you telling me about this. Which was just, you know, like, you know, it, we didn't look at Black Hawk down and call those guys cowards. They retreated. Some of them didn't have body armor on. There was some incompetence. Arguably, there was some incompetence in leadership. There was some really bad things. We didn't call them cowards. We learned so much. Like, we literally rewrote the entire tact P not like all the tactics were rewritten for urban warfare. Our camouflage changed. Everything changed because of Black Hawk Down. Uvalde should, in my opinion, have been the same way. I'm not so quick to call those cops cowards. Now, maybe we're one or two of them cowards. Sure, probably. I mean, you're going to have that in, in the military, too. Yeah. But to say that they were all cowards and they didn't do their jobs, and, and you know, it, to me, that was a very bold statement without having a lot of evidence. I also thought it was odd that the entire media, left and right, all agreed within six hours that all the, these 52 cops that showed up to, yeah. to Uvalde were all cowards at the same time. Like, what is the media ever <laughs> Right. So, like, I was like, let's. So, I started talking to cops on the ground in Uvalde. And that's when I started hearing about some locked doors and some keys and ra- absolutely no comms inside that building. No comms. Your radio goes dead the minute you enter that school, which I didn't go into a lot of schools, but I do remember when I was a cop that your schools were a dead zone and you use your cell phone. Um, and that's there was true. A- Actually, that is true. A lot of schools. Yeah. Uh, there'll be unit checking guys where I work and they're like, oh, he's inside the school. Schools and hospitals. Yeah. I don't know work. if there's something about yeah. those buildings, but... Um, yeah, and I mean, it's... So just in six hours, or 12 hours, everybody and all the big influencers, Green Berets, Navy SEALs, they're all coming out with like, you know, these guys were cowards and this would never happen. Da, 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 da. Like, as if like there's no incompetence in the military whatsoever. It's I don't like, know why... Shut the fuck up, guys. Society like, does not realize with cop work and cop stories and cop topics, you have to wait for the whole story to come out because the agency is a government entity and they are not just going to try to beat it with letting you know the good stuff first. There's, there's law that there's law that has to be dealt with and there's a judicial judicial process that has to go. Therefore they can't just release tidbits to keep people at bay. They have to release the entire thing, which means it's going to take a minute. Oh, year. Yeah, easily. So when when like that. when you see a shooting and one, one shooting involving one cop, right, and it looks bad, everybody that's cop or pro cop or has a head on their shoulder goes, "There's probably another side of the story." Yeah, the same thing happens with Uvalde. With something like that, you it's just just because there's fifty cops doesn't mean that there's not they're taking the time. To figure out why one person did, one person did this, one person did that, one person did this. So, like you said, locked doors probably can explain a lot. That's not something. Well, it was not only was it a locked door, but it was a steel door on a steel frame, and it was outward facing. So that means you had to go through the steel frame to get in. Well, if you don't have a Halligan, oh, and then by the way, one of the big tidbits that nobody wants to talk about was Homeboy had not shot anybody since the cops entered the building. Now the media will say that he continued shooting. He did, but he didn't shoot anybody. He shot at the cops, and he only shot at the cops when they tried to open the door. And there were 20-something kids laid down on the floor, and yes, those kids were calling 911 and saying, he, he's shooting, he's shooting, and they won't come in here. And everybody's like, go in there, go in there. But the cops were like, hang on, he's in that back office, and he's not shooting until we start fucking with the door, and then he starts shooting. So 
what's to keep him from just starting to shoot all these kids that are laying on the floor? So let's just not, let's treat this as a hostage situation. And rightly so, right? Like if we start working on this door of the hostage jewel and he's like, well, fuck it. Bam, 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 bam. And he just starts smoking kids. Well, then you know you've really fucked up. But if he's hiding and he's only popping out when you're fucking with the door, then th to me, that is a hostage situation. Yeah. And I mean, everybody could deal with that differently. You might be like, nah, fuck it. No, I'm a fucking a, SWAT it's dude. Let's it's roll. Universal. It, you know what I mean? It, let's roll. Let's go. But there might be another cop that says, ah, dude, I don't know. Like, yeah, but this could work. And in either way, not to say that bad ideas are, are terrible or good because you don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, my idea might be like, well, let's do a hostage situation and then he comes out and kills him anyway. Now I look like the asshole. And you could have been like, let's fucking kick this door in and go kill the bad guy. But then he kills a bunch of people and now you're the asshole. So and it's it, takes like, a, it might take a minute to get that fucking door open. Oh, it's going to take a when you When you, no training? When you dedicate to that to that decision, like, all right, we're going through no matter what. He's firing. We no can't shields. Verify. Yeah, we're going through. You're sitting ducks while he's showing you he's going to fire into that doorway. When you stop, the firing stops. Yeah. Essentially, right? Right, yeah. yeah. So they would like move up. They would start working on the door. But now here's the thing. People are saying like the door was unlocked. Well, we, we still don't know because we got some people saying the door was unlocked. It's not. If I roll up on you um, and, I, I, and you're a pretty rad dude, like I know you, and you're like, I'm like, yo, we tried that door yet? Yeah, it's locked. I'm not going to go fucking try the door. Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay. And you might have been like, you might have walked up. And you know, like sometimes when you grab those those uh, lengthy handles, if you grab them real far up, it won't ignite. It won't engage. If You, you have to grab the, the end of the handle. Like, oh, you I ever know, grabbed yeah, a bathroom yeah. like where you grab it like yeah. right by the L-shaped nub and you like kind of give it a tug? It won't engage properly. You got to get it on the yeah. end to get Sometimes. I like it when you do that. Yeah, a little, a little, a little, a little, a little. <laughs> you know, so I mean, and like, I don't know if that happened either, but what I'm, what my point was is like, let's wait for this whole investigation to come out, find out exactly what happened, because I promise you, I promise you, you can't find six cowardly cops all together in one city. Like, it's yeah. just, that's, that's it's, in, it's probable, but it's not. It's not. It's I mean, not it's probable. plausible, but it's not probable. You know what yeah, I'm saying? And, and oh, by the way, they had six people working that day. And oh, by the way, they had two other shooting scenes and they didn't know there was an active shooter. And then they were like, well, the, the one cop, he pulled up as the dude was running in. Well, that's about 200 yards. And he did have a rifle. But if I run from here to that door and you're 200 yards away... For you to go, is that our guy or not our guy? Should I shoot it? By the time you've done that, I'm all, you can't shoot me. Yeah. I've already made it to the other side. So like, and you don't think that that dude is going, God damn it. I should have just fucking pulled the trigger. But if he would have pulled the trigger and that would have been apparent, yep. then he'd have to live his whole life. You know, so I, it's, it's hard to, to judge these situations from the outside. And, and I, I just thought it was unfair. And so on Wednesday, I'd put out that that was going to be my take. And immediately, it was the weirdest thing in the world. They were like, yo, you do that take, and you're going to be the most hated fucking cops on the planet, and these advertisers are not going to tolerate it. And I was like, dude, you guys have never shied away from any of the dumb shit I've said. And all of a sudden, now this is like the hill that you're going to die on? I'm going to do it anyway. And so we did it on the Friday. We had a, it was a very, you know, great breakdown. I had, you know, I, I had my sources and, 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 and good I Good engagement for the video? Huh? Good engagement? Yeah, it was good. I mean, it, there was, I mean, all the bro vets were like, and, and, and that was, yeah, they were all like, man, fuck you guys. You guys are sellouts, you know, blah, 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 blah. You're just back in the blue no matter what, you know. And then people would bring people like Tim Kennedy into or drop their names or Mike Glover, you know, and I, and I didn't say anything bad about Tim Kennedy or Mike Glover. I just said, like, listen, like, I'm not going to talk about Tim Kennedy or Mike Glover because they have skin in the game. Like, they have schools that teach tactics. Like, of course, if something shitty like this is going to happen, they're going to be like, hey, you know, come hire us to 
teacher department. I mean, I'm not saying that what their information is right or wrong, but I'm saying they're probably going to capitalize on it. They're probably. Why wouldn't you? Uh, And so then they took that was like, oh, he's talking shit about Michael Glover. And I'm like, well, go back and listen to what I said. I obviously all you got to do is start off your podcast career talking shit about everyone. So then when I go shit on somebody, they're like, that's just Tyler. It's just Tyler. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't shitting on anybody. So, you know, but we 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 finished that episode at one o'clock, two thirty. We got a call. They're like, yeah, dude. Nope. Like. Did they All the advertisers drop it. No, they just kept the episode up, I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's still up. But um, they were like, you're going to have to, you, we're, we're, we're not going to be able to win this one back for a while. What do you guys want to do? Mike was like, well, I'm done. I don't want to podcast anymore. You know? Coincidentally, that's lined up with him wanting to get out of the game anyways? No, I think he was just done. I think that was just the, the straw that broke the camel's back gotcha. for him. I think okay. he was just like, man, fuck it. Like, like he had been shadow banned. He had been... You know, uh, all of his, he had lost like 300,000, like, or a couple hundred thousand, like, miraculously, like, right before the elections. You yeah. know, Mike was like fed up with YouTube demonetizing us and all sorts of stuff. So he was pretty much done. And I called him on the phone. I was like, yo, can we not be done? Like, I mean, I've invested a lot into this. And he was like, well, they're not going to give us the show. Drinking bros. Yeah, they're not going to give it to you. Like, you're, we're going to have to buy it. I'm not paying for it. And you're not going to pay for it either because it's going to be a lot of money. <laughs> So I was like, well, let's just call him and see what's up. Like, I'm just going to call him. He's like, yeah, let me know. And I called him and they're like, no, dude, continue the show for sure. Take the name, take the sound, take all of it. We'll transfer the RSS feed. What was your show with Mike called? Failure to Stop. It was called Failure to Stop on Drinking Bros. It was Failure to Stop with Mike the Cop and Eric Tanzi. And they gave it to you? Yeah. So they really believed in you. It was just politics. It was just the the media. They weren't going to make any money off of it because Uh, they weren't going to be able to sell ads on it. Um, and we were already not doing Pfizer ads, and that was pissing the ad agency off. <laughs> so they, they, you know, so when that when Mike was like, "Oh, okay, well, let's do it." So then we started running the show by ourselves, but we had no producers, we had no editors, we had no graphic designers, no we, money. Had, we had no money, no following. Um, but Ghostbed, I called Ghostbed, I told them the whole sitch, and they were like, "Yo, we're still in it. Oh, nice. Let's go for another six months. We'll see how you guys do." Well. About three months after that, Mike was done. He was like, dude, I don't have time for this. I got my real estate mogul, you know, that I built. I don't have time to podcast with you anymore. Like, I can't do all this. I said, bro, give me six months. Give me six months. I'm going to build a channel. I'm going to build a barstool sports for first responders. And he was like, oh, I mean, go ahead. If you want to, I'll give you six months. Not only did he give me six months, but he gave me all the money. He did it for free. Wow. He didn't say he was doing it for free, but then I'd offer to pay him. He'd be like, no, put the money back into the show. I was like, oh, okay. And we went, and that's when I found Drew Breezy. And I was like, hey, man, listen, I know you don't know who I am, but I love you. you you've got your 30 year detective. What, what did Drew do you. before? Hmm? He was what? a detective. In no, what did he Did he do anything in this <coughs> space before? He had just retired. Oh, okay. And he started doing these like videos uh, from a detective standpoint, but they were like very passionate. It wasn't like the political cops that are like, now in this particular case, what we see here. No, he was like, you know, very, mm-hmm. you know, like, guys, listen, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's very, like, you know, politically incorrect as well. And so I called him, but he, he seemed wise, you know. And I said, this is what I'm trying to do. This is my dream. I want to build, I'm going to build a podcast channel. You know, I'm going to start with one show a week. I want to go to two shows. Eventually, I want to do five shows a week. I want first responders to listen to nothing but our channel. Like, to be informed and entertained all day long. So they never have to listen to mainstream media again. And he's like, I'm in. Let's go. So uh, then I met John. Um, and he was our graphic designer and then started doing some sound stuff for us. He was from uh, Fargo 
he still still he does Com Center now and still does he did your guys' intro and yeah. does a lot of the art stuff. Driest humor I've ever met. Yeah, but it's funny. Like once you learn <laughs> it, it's funny. And then um and then we needed like a fact checker because all of a sudden we started rolling out these shows and we were doing true crime and we did a Monday uh, we had a true crime show, we had a, a Wednesday show, and we had a Friday show, and the the Wednesday show was becoming pretty popular it was political news and it started off with like goofy news but then all the political news is what people were yeah engaging on so i started pulling into well then people started like really like taking using everything. you as a legit source yeah. of information and it was fun. i was like yo this is not good because like people are making <laughs> like pressure on us like man. people are making life decisions on my dumb ass so i hired a fact checker josh and i'm like oh hey, man, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah so he had like like he had injured his leg and it went septic um jumping a fence he was an officer in hawaii and and he's you know he's got a big oh, dead leg like, yeah dead leg right. so he's got this dead leg he can't do shit and um and he'd been a day one follower of mike the cop and i so i i reach out to this guy and i was like hey man like i know you're got this dead leg and you're always complaining about you know you really miss the game and it breaks your heart that you can't be a part of it and you're always very supportive of us i was like if i paid you x to just be my fact checker like would that be something you're interested in and he's like dude i live on this computer now like it's all i can do like i i would love to do that for you so then that led to him fact checking and then him like going down rabbit holes and like filling me in with all the news. And so we brought him on pretty much almost like basically, you know, full time. Um, and, uh, and, and, it, and then we just, and we started bringing out other shows. We brought out Com Center and, uh, you know, we're up to five, you know, now we're nine months down the road. We, we we're up to those five shows. We got you, um, anti-hero podcast. And like, that's just all I wanted to do was build this whole network of badass cops that are entertaining and informative that aren't going to fucking bore you to death with, you know, bridge that gap between society and culture, you know? Yeah. How, how did you hear about us? I've always meant to ask you about that. How did you, how did you, Oh dude, you, your Instagram reels. Oh, okay. Yeah. Your reels and your TikTok. Okay. And, um, I just said, well, like I can always tell because I know how hard this is. Mm. Um, I know how hard it is to make reels. I know how hard it is to come late at night down to a studio, set up microphones, run cables, put the cameras up. You got like four fucking cameras, all the studio lights. I mean, that's a lot to do and be a street cop. So I was like, if they're putting that effort in, they're fucking hungry. And that's why I want to surround myself around is like only dudes that are hungry that are in it for the right reasons too. Like yeah. I don't want the political police officers that are trying to poison the profession. Like I don't want the dudes that are trying to be, you know, some kind of influencers or, you know, um, I want to find dudes that want to inform and entertain cops and bridge that gap between, you know, Re really let people know, like, this is the job, like that you can't, you can't dance and pass out backpacks, shake hands. And you, people have to know how cops are for real, how first sure. responders are. So we obviously have people that follow all of these shows that are just huge police supporters, maybe yeah. have married to a cop you know have police in their family they're die hard pro police you, you know they're always going to be there then there's people that don't know how this world is they're not against knowing it but they don't know and meeting some admin guy and shaking their hand and taking a picture and then that admin guy gets in his tahoe and takes off on in his motorcade full of yeah. staff and you're just left standing there on your street like you know it, it's not I don't know. There's no where. There's no other than this stuff. There's yeah, no we, real the, the way. The street to cop, <clears throat> the real cop, has no voice. Yeah. <clears throat> SWAT operators, you're never gonna see a SWAT operator on the news. Never gonna see a street cop on the news. Yeah. I mean, talking to the news. You know what I'm saying? Like they're always gonna be like, def you know, it's always gonna be some kind of spokesperson. So, you know, I just, I just wanted to be a voice for the people that really don't have a voice. And Barstool Sports was always cool, and it, it amazed me how that they built that big Good giant concept. network. 
It's a great concept. And I wanted to just move it over into the first responder community and paramedics, EMTs, you know, all these guys have incredible stories. Nobody has better stories than EMT. Yeah, that's true. They just can't tell them because they're always throwing up drunk. But (laughs) they've got the best stories, dude. When you get them like right before they start throwing up, dude, they can write 10 books and from five days worth of work, you know? So, um, yeah. Which is what we're doing. The, so the overall, the, I mean, I was going to ask you what the overall mission is to failure stop. By the way, so when I talk about the media company, I, I say that a lot. I've said yeah. that a million times. Yeah, so we are a C-minus media company. This is failure, stop media this is failure, failure to stop as we signed on with them. This is the Eric that I always talk about. So yeah, like yeah. Now everybody's like disappointed. We're like, man, that guy sounded like really cool. <laughs> I now we get him down there, we're like, <laughs> fuck, be a this asshole. Like, like, boy, this guy's a fucking douchebag. Um, <laughs> like some sergeant sitting in the car, he's like, you guys are not allowed to listen to this. This guy's poisoning you. Your brains. I don't, dude, I don't, I don't want know. anybody throwing keys out in the woods for any reason. That, yeah, well, that's that's called cop work, but you can't do that shit no more. <laughs> yeah, so. uh, but yeah, and then, and then I get to do True Crime Tuesday with you guys as producer, and that's been um, super fun uh, to be a part of that. And you know, I just want to see us all. I want to see us just like barstool sports, man. It's just cops are sitting in their cop car. You know, we I, I was with um, a conservative van today, and and he was like, "What do those fucking cops do when they just sit at these construction sites with their lights on?" I'm like, they're listening to a podcast right now. Yeah, making, making 70, 80 bucks an hour. Yep. Yeah. Listening to a podcast That's right now. One of those many things that people don't know. When you see a cop just sitting there like, oh, shit, he just, he is, mo- statistically speaking, he is most likely not clocking you on radar. Right, he I'm, is doing something Unless else. it's a state trooper. Those dirty fucks. <laughs> That they're watching uh, gay porn, but they don't they don't listen to podcasts because they don't have a sense of humor. Like they don't, they're not allowed to laugh or they get fired. You know what I'm saying? So they like, no, they can't listen. To they podcasts. really the ones who really get in trouble for not wearing their campaign hat on a traffic stop. Yeah, dude, they try to do like everything that the military does, but they just try to do it like even more militant. Dude, they, it's like oh the military uh the military has pressed in uniforms. Yeah, we're gonna press ours and suck them in even tighter. Oh the military has campaign hats and they wear them real low. We're gonna wear ours like super low. Military dudes like average twenty two suicides a day. We're gonna average twenty three a day. I'm just kidding. Like, we're gonna make life miserable. These motherfuckers are gonna kill themselves all the time. Like nobody knows domestic violence better than a street cop, other than a state trooper, <laughs> and that's because he he's the witness and the suspect. This is not verified. <laughs> I just kidding. I love state troopers, but it's like the army and the marines. Like we have to fucking shit on each other. Uh, I just like to shit on the state troopers as much as I can, and I know that like state troopers don't laugh, and so. Uh, if I can make them laugh, then I won. 